the men and women who serve in the military, for whatever country they may belong to, are an exceptional type of people. The very nature of the job means acknowledging there are people you'll likely never know who want you dead. That's pretty extreme. And yet, there is an experience that is just as challenging when they finish their term of service. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Natalie Shand Spellman. Coach Nat, as she likes to be called, is a retired United States Marine. She's here to talk about her time in the military, the lack of transition coming out of her service, feeling broken and left without identity, how she found her way through, and what civilians don't see going on. She now helps veterans find their place in everyday society once the mission is over. Let's recognize our veterans. Welcome to the show, Natalie Shand Spellman. Alrighty, so my name is Natalie Shand Spellman, Coach Nat, and I'm also known as um, the Voice to Hope. And I'm known as that because I am now on a mission of hope. And it's a mission of hope for people who just feel so broken, they feel so isolated, they're just overwhelmed with life, and they're trying to get solutions, they're trying to get their life back on track. And I remember when I hit rock bottom, I dealt with grief. I dealt with lost identity. I just felt so lost when I returned home from the military. And I remember just hitting rock bottom and I just needed help. And subsequently, I was actually in the hospital with stroke-like symptoms. And that day I got a miracle. I was healed And I just feel as if I have to go back and help others because I have been at the end where my life was at stake. And because I've learned strategies and techniques and I've used my clinical skills, my military skills, my coaching skills, I was able to create systems and different approaches to help anyone who is actually dealing with anything that's emotionally overwhelming or emotionally stressed out. So I think I have a voice for that audience. Yeah, and that's a very noble mission to kind of, you know, start down this path and try to help people. Was there a sense of self that kind of came with being a Marine that you felt you lost when you left the service? That is such a great question, because I remember before I joined the United States Marine, I was a young woman with very low self-esteem. I was just one of those people who were just like, okay, just average. I just went to school, just got good grades. There was nothing special or unique about me. And I remember the day when I met my recruiter. I was actually in college. And he was this tall Marine in his dress blues. And when I spoke with him, just the the, the aura, just the way he presented himself. I'm like, what is it that this guy has that I want? And he mentioned that um, in the United States Marines, I can give you intangible traits. And the traits I'm talking about are like honor, courage, and commitment. 
And for a woman who was dealing with her identity issues, low self-esteem, I was like, I wanted that. And when I went to the Marines in boot camp, I was actually broken down in a state where I was just nothing. And they were able to build and build and build and refine me in a strong, confident woman who thought that she could conquer the world and be the best version of herself. So for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know it's what it's like to be one thing and then I'm able to evolve into a better person. So yes, the Marines have truly, truly transformed my life. And yes, it built my confidence and all the skill sets I needed for life. So that's for sure. Yeah. And you're certainly, when you're in the military, you're you're always part of this group. Like you have a a larger people always around you. Like these are your yes. people, no matter what you have this community. And and, and, and and I'm glad you said that because I see veterans on a daily basis. And um, like you said, in the military, we have this camaraderie. There's a buddy system. We know what the mission is. We know what the purpose is. We are so community driven to the point where it's, it's, it's family. And now when we get back home in society, we don't have that camaraderie. We don't have the mission. We don't have the purpose. And we just feel like we are like fish out of water. And because of that, a lot of us have a hard time coping and functioning. And the crazy thing is that society have so many expectations. They expect, expect us to adjust and to assimilate in society. But it's hard because that's not our community. And when you transplant us, like in my case, I was in Iraq. You transform me from a war zone one day. And then two weeks later, I was back at home with my family for Thanksgiving. I was still dealing with PTSD and no one knew. So it's it's hard to transition and you're in an environment where no one understands you. It, it becomes a challenge. It really yeah. does. I can certainly, certainly see why that would be a challenge. You know, you're trained, like you said, they, they kind of break down the, the old you to build up this new, better soldier. And then, now you're a soldier and you're like, okay, my job is to be a soldier. My job is to protect people, to do follow the mission, to do whatever it is. And then you're just back at home. Yes. You're like, where's my mission? Yes. Who am I protecting? What am I yes. doing? You got it. You got it. But most people don't. Yeah. And that certainly seems like, you know, I'm sure it's a hard adjustment period when you have like, the leave time that comes in and out during your service period. But then people, you know, eventually like they come out of the service and that is their daily life. Is that a really hard adjustment? It is hard. It is hard in a lot of ways, especially if you have served more than four years. That is all you know. That's your culture. Your mindset is conditioned to think, like a soldier or a Marine or an airman or a, um, a sailor, you're conditioned to act and behave a certain way. So when you're not in that environment anymore, you're back with civilians who do not truly understand you. They don't understand the culture. They don't understand your code of ethics. It's just a whole new world. And I do believe that society should be better educated about military transition because if they did, when I jump and I'm triggered by a loud noise, I don't think the cops should be called when, when I'm triggered by an event. But sometimes our veterans are treated in, like that when 
people think they're being crazy, but in fact, they're crying out for help. Yeah, of course. So. And obviously, you know, in the military, you're trained to overcome physical hurdles, but then you have to come back home and you have a lot of mental hurdles to clear. <laughs> and there's no, from what I understand, from just the few people that I know or have spoken to, there's no military training for that. And that is why that is part of my mission. Because personally and professionally, I do believe that the mental health system is not quite equipped to handle the issues that our veterans do have. And not only our veterans, other people in society. And the reason why I'm saying that is that there are so many issues. We have polytrauma. And when I say polytrauma, that means that I'm, I am dealing with a physical ailment. I am dealing with TBI in conjunction with PTSD. And I'm also dealing with so many psychological, psychiatric, emotional, and mental stress. But yet there's just one model, one prescription that's based on symptoms. So it's like, okay, a TBI, you cannot give a person a TBI, the same medication you give a person who's just dealing with like a bipolar or any other condition. So it's like the, the, the methodology is not quite working. And like I said, I've worked with veterans and I see the cycle where they're here one month, they're back in the hospital, they're being discharged and continuously there's, they're always coming back for help. So that tells me that whatever we have in place, it is not quite working. Yeah, and I think that is something that I have heard a lot of recently and something I think needs much more coverage, but there is a disturbingly high suicide rate yes. among both active and non-active soldiers. That's a true statement. That is a true statement. And what are we doing to what are we doing about that? So, That's why uh, I'm on my mission. <laughs> yeah. It, which is great, like somebody doing something. So what can we do? Like, what is a good first step to say like, okay, we need to educate, you know, the lay person, the civilian, as well as, you know, some kind of help deconditioning from the military. Mm. I love what you just said, because I will say this. I know when I was actually transitioning from the military, we were not, for example, when I went to boot camp, I was actually in a program before I got to boot camp where I was actually with my um, recruiter and we trained and we trained. When I got to boot camp, I was there for three months. And when I say three months, I'm talking about intensive, grueling, hardcore training. Because you prepare me to be the best. You prepare me to be the few, the proud, of the United States Marine. But in my case, and most Marine cases, when I was being discharged, it was like a one-week process. So there's a lot of work that goes into the training and the building. But how can you train me to be such a hardcore person? And then I got to transition to something else, and it's only like a week preparation. And the preparation was just like, okay, this is how you get a job. This is how you do this, um, your resume. But there was nothing about deconditioning or transitioning mentally, emotionally. And the response was like, okay, just go check in with your VA. They'll figure it out. But that's not enough. So for me, as a first step, I do believe on a higher level, 
that we need to spend time in better transition. Spend at least a month or so. Same thing I'm talking about, emotional, mental stress. When these things handle, how do you navigate? How do you cope when you are in an environment where it's so overwhelming and you're triggered by the sound, the voices? What do you do in those cases? And that is when I feel as if mental health professionals, coaches like myself, need to be a part of that process of transition. And when they transition, I think they need to be paired up with another veteran. You need you need mentorship. You need partnership. That's what we do. There's always a buddy system. Instead of me just coming out isolated, detached, going back to my home environment, nobody knows me anymore. I'm not the same person. And I'm going back in isolation without a support system in place. So for me, first step on a military level, and then after that, there has to be some accountability. There has to be some partnership. There has to be some groups. There has to be some level where people are checking in and they're getting the services and the care that they truly, truly need and deserve. And I love this buddy system you just mentioned because it forms almost a chain of command outside of the military where you're like, you know, when you get out, there is someone who has been out for 10 years and their job is to like help you adapt and talk to you about the things that they went through and the struggles they had and the, the best advice they heard. And then when someone else gets out, you can be that person. And so now there is someone at the 20 year mark. There's somebody at the 10 year mark. There's somebody just getting out. Like you, you've built a net, so to speak, where you're like, we are gradually increasing our amount of experience out here in the world. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to share this with you. One of my dreams, one of my goals, which I've yet to start, it is to have a Facebook group for veterans. And like you said, one is more seasoned than the other person. And it's just like, oh my gosh, accountability. So if you're in my Facebook group, of course, the older senior ones will actually try to mentor the newer unseasoned veteran, right? So I think a group virtually will be able to connect veterans from all over the country. And I think that could be very, very effective. But like I said, it's one of my goals. Yeah, I mean, I'd absolutely love to see that. And I would hope people would use it and you know, it just establishes that buddy system for you again, where you're like, there is someone else. I am not, you know, I'm not lost from my unit. I'm not separated from my branch, whatever it is. Like I have somebody here that knows what I'm going through. Yes. And something else I thought about, I have all these ideas. (laughs) Um, One of the ideas I came up with was that, okay, in the military, there's a certain culture. Like we say, we're so, there's a buddy system. We have um, the mission, we know what the purpose is, and we're so unified in in terms of what we're doing. And I'm like, oh gosh, how can a community leader or state leadership bring the same concept into the whole transitional process? So I'm like, oh my gosh, in our community, we could have, okay, we know that some community needs a lot of help. We need people who are um, senior people who need help. They need food delivery. They need errands to be done. Some community needs beautification. In the military, we're always volunteering. We're always going out and helping a community. We are always doing work to, 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 to improve society. So I'm like, oh my goodness, when we get back home, our townships can actually partner up with veteran groups and have these veterans go and serve. And that's like a mission, right? It's something purposeful. It's something meaningful. Plant a garden. Plant a um a community 
vegetable garden. And in that, when you're in an environment like that, you get in the sunlight, which is very good for your mental health. You're doing physical work, which is exercise. That is good. You're having community with other veterans and community members. You're actually on a holistic level, treating your mental and your emotional state of being. So partnership, I'm telling you, this could actually work. It's just we need to have a vision of partnership. And when I see a homeless veteran, to me, so unacceptable. When I see a veteran who is overdosing and thinking of suicide, to me, that's unacceptable. We go in, we sacrifice, we serve our country. But yeah, when, when we get back home, we're not quite sure what to do. I don't think we know what to do. So I think partnerships are so crucial to get our veterans to where they need to be. And that's the, an excellent reason as to why this has to be implemented before they leave the military, because... I think a large part of the other problem, and I can, can't speak for the military, obviously, but I can speak to other groups that have had, you know, mental health struggles, and it's, you don't want to reach out. There's a hard time where you're like, I'm not that bad. Mm. You know, I'm in a different place. They wouldn't understand. Whatever it is, like, you won't put yourself out there. And so even if we, you know, some areas have groups where they're like, oh, this is our support group. But if they're not automatically a part of that before they leave the service, I have to imagine it's very hard to get them in the doors. Oh, you're not going to get them in the door. I remember <laughs> um, I was actually seeing um, a therapist for PTSD. And she was like, oh, you need to join this group. You need to do this. You need to do this. I'm like, no and no and no. No and no and no. I would not. But she was like, you will get the benefit. I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel like I want to share anything. I'm a professional. I don't want to be a part of these groups. And I was like, I may actually see one of my patients in a group. So for me, it was not something comfortable. And when I talk to other veterans, that is not what they're comfortable doing. Well, and there's always this like, you know, from the, the people that I know, there's always this comparison where they're like, yeah, I guess I saw something that you know stuck with me or i had an experience that was especially bad but i knew this guy that had a way worse experience and because mm -hmm. of that i can't imagine that i'm bad enough i need group mm. it's true it's true and it, it, it goes back to denial and it goes back to sometimes people aren't truly ready to get the help and sometimes we hit rock bottom to truly understand and process how bad we are in the, in, the, in our emotional state, you know? And so. that's, you know, everyone has to find their rock bottom, I guess, at some point, <sighs> unfortunately, like you just run into it, but you never know what rock bottom is until you're there. And there is, you know, a very thin line between rock bottom and giving up. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Because you have to pivot at some point. When you hit rock bottom, you are you have to make a choice. Do I pivot in the direction of positivity and changing my way of life? Or do I just spiral down a path that is destructive? And the pattern oftentimes in this population, in my population of veterans, it becomes disruptive. So how do you turn someone around? Say there's Someone that's either in free fall currently, they're headed towards rock bottom, or they feel like they're at rock bottom, 
is there kind of a thing you can say to them that just motivates them to to make a positive turn? That is a powerful question. And it goes back to something I talk about in my book. The book is called Drop Stress Like a Hot Potato. And it talks about where whenever you make a decision or whenever you are in a situation, doesn't matter if it's a um, uh, a situation where the stressful event is not that major, but any moment where you feel that you may be triggered to make a decision or do an action that is not so productive, it brings you in a state where you need to pause, right? It's kind of a mindfulness, right? You take a pause. And in that moment, you take inventory of yourself. How am I feeling? What am I thinking? What is going on with my physiological state? Am I sweating? Like, what's going on? Do I feel like I want to like reach out? I want to hurt somebody. So when you stop and you become so aware of your entire state of being, that kind of pulls you back in. And then from that, I'll give you the steps like, oh, gosh, all right, if you feel like you want to reach out and hurt somebody, let's change the way you're thinking. Let's change your emotional state, right? After you change emotional state, it's going to affect your thinking. It's going to affect your actions. So there's a whole process, and it boils down to the first step. It's always, always be your own stress detective. And it's always been about being aware of your behavior, just being aware of yourself in the moment of any stressful event. And that awareness certainly gives you, you know, the ability to evaluate your emotion in that moment. Oh my, oh yes, you self-regulate quickly. You're like, I want to hurt this person. And then you're like, wait, do I want to hurt this person? Like, that's just a, that's an emotional trigger. I don't actually want to hurt this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, like I said, there's the whole, whole process, whole system. I even have content in the book that tells you how to make a good decision because we know that sometimes from a veteran perspective, not only veterans in general, sometimes we make bad decisions and sometimes we make decisions from an emotional state of being, from a state of anger, from a state of being fearful. And when we make decision that's from a fearful state, we already know that the executive function for good decision is shut down because when you're in a state of fear, that's when the stress response kicks in. And when the stress response kicks in, you already know that brain function shuts down. We're in a state where the heart is racing faster, where we're just ready for action because the body is, is in survival mode and we want to take action to protect and either to fight or to flee. So we know that when we're in that state of fear, which comes in the form of so many things, when you're making a decision because you're upset, when you're angry, the root of that boils down to some level of fear at the root of that. So when you're in that state, is it, it just goes back to, um, I forgot the point I was trying to make, <laughs> but it goes back to you just trying to make the right decisions in those moments. And I have this whole system that tells you, oh my goodness, um, what to do. And also I have content that says, oh gosh, when you're in a moment, stop. If you're stressed, stop, pause, take a deep breath. And I will give you words of advice pertaining to that issue. If you're overwhelmed, I talk you through the process. If you are angry, I talk you through the process with action steps. So it's just one of those things where there are so many approaches, but I think sometimes people need the cues, the action steps to know what to do in those moments. Is it something that you would see like the mindset of a, a soldier out of the service? You could put yourself like, what is the mission need? If the mission is, 
I'm having dinner with my family and someone is being rowdy, like the mission doesn't say, you know, haul off on this guy. It just mm -hmm. is like, stay calm at the table and enjoy your dinner. No. Because this is, <laughs> this is, I like what you just said, because I remember cases where it seemed like a casual moment. Somebody's being loud or rowdy, but I'm being triggered. And if I say something to the group, people may not understand what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm being triggered. Lower your voice. And I'm like, man, what's wrong with you? We're just being loud. We're just having fun. And I'm like, I'm being triggered. And so the average person, when you say these words, I'm triggered, you're, what you're saying there, it becomes almost defensive. So sometimes in those cases, it's best to excuse yourself. Go in an environment where you can actually self-regulate. Because when you're triggered, that's when you take action, which may not be so positive, and it could be destructive. So sometimes it's best, best to take yourself out of that environment to regulate yourself. Gotcha. Very good advice. And that leads us back to educating the general public, right? Like this mm -hmm. general civilian population, we don't understand, you know, the training you had to go through and the mindset that, you know, it locks you into that soldier mindset where you're like, this is what I do. I am a soldier. I follow the mission. I protect the people, whatever it is. And then obviously the things you experience were clueless on those things. And so... When you see someone, you know, like you said, jump, get, you know, whatever excitable they are after a loud noise or, you know, an accidental like metal banging mm -hmm. together, like there's mm -hmm. this reaction. How do we start educating people like in a real tangible way? Well, I do believe voices like myself is so crucial. I think social media should be geared towards a lot of mental health with, of course, targeting veterans. I do believe on a um, federal government level, there needs to be a voice, a stronger voice, advocating for veterans. I also believe that patriots, people who love and support veterans, they can come forward and share their stories, let them know what it's like living with a person who just ret who returns from serving and who has returned home, those voices need to be heard because those voices are the people living with a veteran. Because most of the time in those relationships, those relationships often do not, people, couples don't usually stay married when a veteran is doing destructive behaviors, PTSD, and then there's the alcohol and there's the drugs. Families cannot stay together because it's so destructive. So sometimes these, these, these relations, these caregivers, these patriots who are so in tune to veterans, we need to hear their voices as well, because sometimes their voices may be stronger or louder because the veterans may not want to go forward. So a family member speaking out may be a strong voice. So I think there should be more grassroots groups making a big issue about mental health for veterans. And the louder the voices are, maybe action will be taken more on a federal and a government level. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think there should be some kind of a mandatory class of some sort, even if it's a brief, because like I did a lot of brief classes in high school where they're like, oh, and we're going to talk about whatever this is in your life. Do you think there could be something like that, you know, for a, a veteran awareness or a military, whatever it might be, like just a class that says like, 
This is part of our society. We're not trying to push you into service. We're not trying to push you out of service. We just want you to understand that this is a part of our functional society, and it's something as a grown human you will need to be aware of. Okay. Is this regarding a person who's considering the military, or is it more so about a person who has already served in the military? I was thinking this is like you put it in high schools. Mm. Before you have the opportunity to sign up, to join, to not join, whatever your personal preference is, there is like a, hey, we're about to push you out into adulthood. Mm. You're about to graduate. Here is a yeah. class about our society, and part of that is the military aspect of our society. Wow. 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 That is a great statement because oftentimes you may see a recruiter trying to recruit <laughs> high schoolers to join the military, but there's generally not a voice to say, be aware that if you serve, these are going to be the outcome. This is what you may expect to see and not to see. And I mean, a voice like that could be counter, <laughs> could be countering what the recruiter is trying to do. So it becomes a slippery slope. Yeah, it does. And I certainly don't want it to come across as anti-military. Mm -hmm. I just think, you know, even if you're like, oh, I never had any intention of ever serving, you should still, you know, you go through this class and you're at least aware that those who do serve, when they come out, like, may have these events that are triggering to them. And you're now like, because you learned it at 18, you're <laughs> like, oh, I know what that is. Like... I know this person served in the military and they're probably having a reaction to something in the environment. And now we're all a little head on a swivel about it. Mm. Mm. Recruiters may not like that, but I could see, <laughs> I could see how education could be powerful to educate people. Yes. Because veterans, we are a big part of the society. Oh, I got to share this. I was listening to this. It was a documentary and it was called, um, what was it called? Um, the woman who wore the, the flag. And she, she was talking about how um, in the whole documentary, how sometimes the younger people in society, the younger kids do not have the time or the interest in sitting down with a veteran just to hear their stories. And when I see my veterans on a daily basis, I intentionally take the time to speak to them to see how they're doing. But when they're not in a hospital setting where they're interacting with people, these guys are isolated. Society as a whole do not have the interest. Because for me, when I hear about real world, I get so excited. I want to hear all your story. Tell me everything. But the average person who is a teenager or younger or millennial, they don't have that interest in learning so much what these men have sacrificed for the freedom we all enjoy in this country. So I love your idea about education, education in a high school setting. That would be so powerful. And I think that could be something that should be implemented. Maybe not in the way of saying, okay, the, all the negatives, but just to give a comprehensive view of what it's like to serve and after serving, these are the issues we may deal with and that society needs to be more aware and more sensitive of our veterans and that their needs also need to be met. Because we serve and we come back home and then we feel isolated and then mental health, health becomes an issue. So I love what you just said. 
Yeah, and it's it's not like the military veterans are a small aspect of our community. We're not like, oh, there's, you know, you know Bob, he's one, we have him in town. You know, like, at any point we have, what, like a million active service people, mm -hmm. and that's just active service. So you count, you know, the people that are out of the service for any number of reasons, either full career or they did their time or whatever else. Like, that's a large percentage of the country. Yes. And so, yes. like, look around, there's a bunch. Mm -hmm. Like, you have to, you know, be aware, be knowledgeable, ask questions, see how people are doing, act like a community. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, I will say this. In the hospital setting, for Valentine's Day, you get cards. The veterans do get cards. And that is so sweet and so special. But what, what about a veteran who's not in a hospital, right? Who is sending them a card? Who is helping them with their groceries? Who is helping them to repair their home repair? A lot of guys need repair. A lot of these veterans are living alone. Who, who's actually extending themselves to help them? Granted, their services where they're like meals on wheels. That's awesome. That's great. But what about their other needs? Who's actually extending themselves to help them? And that's why when you start having issues with suicide and depression and all the mental health issues, people are suffering in silence. And being isolated could be a big factor. Yeah. And we only hear about those things after it's, you know, far too late. And so that's, you know, that's why I'd like more people to hear conversations like these and to hear from people like yourself where you're, you, know, you just t say, this is the state of the world. It's what we live in. It's where we are. It's what we deal with day in and day out. You know, I know that's not your everyday life, but it is mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sensitivity. You got to be sensitive to the people around you. You know, and like I said, my heart hurts every time when I hear a story about a veteran who is not doing well or adjusting well in society, it really breaks my heart because I know what it's like, I know what it feels like. So, yeah, that's why I'm so passionate. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I I love that passion. I'd love to give you, yeah, I've appreciated your time, but I'd love to give you some time to also tell people where they can find you and the things you do and the books you write and everything else. Okay. So um, right now I'm in the process of working on multiple projects. And the first project I have right now um, is the, the book is called Drop Stress Like a Hot Potato. And it's just more of a transformative book where it actually takes you through the whole process. Sometimes what we tend to do when it comes to our well-being in terms of mental health, we tend to just do band-aids. When I say band-aids, oh, okay, just do deep breathing. That is fine, right? Just do meditation. Okay, that is fine. But when I'm finished with the meditation or I finish with running or exercising, I still have to deal with the issues in my life. I still have to deal with someone who could trigger me. I, could, I still have to deal with the stress in my home environment, my work environment. The stresses in life continues. So how do I, on a holistic level, function optimally despite all these multiple stressors in my life. And what I have done in this book is that I take you through a process of transformation. And when I say transformation, you're starting out 
a different part of your journey. You could be in a state where your life is so messy, so chaotic, is so destructive, but I'm taking you on a path of self-discovery. And when you discover yourself, okay, what's next? I can actually know how to navigate life when the challenges come around. When I know how to navigate the challenges in my life in terms of my mental health and life in general, then the next process is that, oh my goodness, I need to work on growing. And then on top of it too, I need to know my purpose and my 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 what, what am I supposed to do with my life? So it's a whole process where you start from point A to get to your destination. And I like to use the word, how do you get from stress city to freedom city? How do you get from a state of brokenness to wholeness? How do you get from a state of feeling lost and confused to one of purpose, right? So it's not like a one band-aid to solve problem. It's a holistic approach. Because what I do as an occupational therapist, I treat the entire being. The entire being is your mind, right? Mind, body, spirit. The whole being needs to be treated. Your mindset. Oh my goodness. This is one of the hardest things to work on. People's mindset or belief systems. When our belief systems are so negative, right? You could do all all those other band-aid things, but it's not getting in your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind can hold us back and keep us as hostages from moving forward. So this whole process, this whole book, is a whole transformational approach to stress management. And when I use the word stress, I think people tend to miss the message. When we say stress, I'm talking about the mental, emotional, spiritual, physical stress. Because in reality, those are the stresses we feel and experience on a daily basis. So this book, like I said, is called Drop Stress Like a Hot Potato. Right now it is on Amazon. The book is beautiful. It's all in color. And what I've done is that I I feel like, oh my goodness, I need to give people all of me. Because what I am is that I'm a person who have gone through the struggles. I'm a therapist. I'm also (laughs) also like a a coach. And I'm also a military, a servant in the military. So I'm like, how do I serve? How can I bring hope to my generation, to people who are truly struggling? So I I tend to give all of me. So there's sections in the book where Coach Nat is speaking. When you're in a moment where you feel like, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't feel worthy. I have this long coaching session in a note, in a letter to you to tell you what to do in your stressful situation. So it's just like this book that covers everything, emotional stress, emotional hostages. And it's all because I'm on a mission of hope to help you. So it's Drop Stress Like a Hot Potato. It's on Amazon. You can also check out my website. It is called www.natalieshand.com as in N-A-T-A-L-I-E-S-H-A-N-D.com. I'm also on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook. So there's so many contents. I'm also working on an app. I'm also working on online programs. I'm working on so many projects because I want to be in a position where I can truly serve and truly impact because mental health right now We need to do something about it. And the model right now is working, but I think it needs to be more effective. So I have a lot of content. (laughs) I could talk a lot about it, but I think think there's a lot for all of us to benefit from 
And you could be at the low point, the middle point, or you just need advice on how to find yourself, to declutter your life and just be the best version of yourself. It's all in the book. That's great to give all of that out, you know, and and to help people. And if people go and they find that book and they even mildly enjoy the book, like please give it five stars on Amazon because that helps other people continue to find the book. If they don't hear it here on the show or wherever else out in the world, they can still find help through this book so long as you give it a good rating. And mm -hmm. then I'd love to see this Facebook group for veterans up and running. I'm obviously I'm not a veteran, but I would love to share it out there just to try and get more people involved in it and, you know, try and build that community as well. Oh, definitely. I just want to add one more thing. So a lot of people may be curious about how can I get from a state of brokenness to be on a path of purpose and mission. And in the book, in every single chapter, I give you little snapshots, right? Little snapshots about my story, where I pretty much start my journey where obscurity to Marines, my time at boot camp, <laughs> my first day at boot camp, my graduation day, and how that led to a woman standing in the mirror, broken and lost, and how I got from that point of brokenness to the point where I eventually found myself. So it's all laid out in the book, little teasers along the way, where you get a snapshot about who I am and how actually on a path of purpose and mission and just to transition from PTSD to a woman of empowered with a mission. And I love that because you're like, look, it was not all sunshine and rainbows. Oh like, gosh, it's a like, challenge. It was... <laughs> Every day is a challenge, but because I know the tools, I know how to implement them. Yeah, you're like, I went from kind of bad to doing okay to really bad to doing much better. <laughs> like, it's a roller And to be honest, there are days when I use my book, I'm like, okay, okay, I need to navigate this emotional stress. Let me tap in and I use my own book, right? I really use my own book because, like I said, it's been a journey. It's been a journey, but it's worth it. Absolutely. It's worth it. And so. I, hope, I hope people find, you know, everything they need out there and Hopefully this helps that process, but I've appreciated your time immensely. Thank you so much for being here today. You're so welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. And like I said, love you guys. I'm on a mission of hope and I'm here to serve and help and make an impact in this world. So thank you for what you're doing, Colton. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Just Dumb Enough podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please, pretty, pretty, please take a brief moment to rate the show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, or Audible, wherever you're listening on currently. If you really like what I'm doing here, remember to subscribe for two new episodes every week and check out the ever-expanding backlog. Let me know what you'd like to hear next by reaching out and emailing me, dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or by sending a message to me on any of the show pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever else. I'm always looking for new topics, guest ideas, and questions from the audience. That's it for this week. Have a great weekend. I'll see you all back here on Monday. Buh bye bye